Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hi, Charlene. I'm so thrilled to have you listening in today. We have a very special guest and a topic that you're going to be blessed by. So I pray that you will uh, just listen in and enjoy, and you are going to learn today. And if you like to write notes, get ready. Otherwise, just listen and absorb it because you will learn a lot. We have Lori here, and I'm so glad she's going to introduce our guest. Well, we're excited today to have Jim Good joining us again. And he was on the podcast several months ago, and I know that you all enjoyed it. The podcast he did previously was making our spiritual and physical fitness a priority. And so if you haven't heard that one, you'll want to go back and listen to it. But today, Jim's going to share with us some thoughts on what God's been doing in his life and some challenges. So I know, as my mom said, you will definitely want to grab pen and paper and um, take some notes because there is some good nuggets of truth that are going to be coming at you today. We're so excited to have Jim do another podcast for us. We feel like he's part of our family, and he has just had a, a real passion. And last year has changed his life, and he now has a passion to share it with others of what God is doing in his life and what God can do in your life. And that's what's so exciting. And so we're thrilled to have him today. And Jim, we're honored to have you come down and see us. Well, thanks for having me. Excited to be back. If anybody heard the last podcast, I've been getting up at five in the morning and uh, kind of walking, running, exercising, and listening to um, some music, but then also just kind of changed my uh, attention to different podcasts, um, maybe sermons, maybe interviews, and three individuals that I want to give credit to because none of these are my own ideas. These are not Jim Good's thoughts, just things that I've been challenged with. Um, from John Gordon, um, John Maxwell, and John Wooden. So ironically, three Johns, but if you know anything about basketball, John Wooden was the great UCLA basketball coach. Um, John Maxwell is a influential author, former pastor, writes on leadership. And then John Gordon, who I really enjoyed listening to him, is a motivational speaker. He is a believer, but he speaks to several uh, professional uh, teams in the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and then also Fortune uh, 500 companies and just kind of coming in and talking about being positive and connecting and things like that. So what I'm going to share in the next few minutes is just different um, thoughts, ideas, quotes that I've heard from these three gentlemen, either on um, one of their podcasts, one of their books that I've got, and so excited to share uh, some of those truths. Well, here's the first one. Um, I was listening to John Gordon. Uh, one of my coaching buddies was posting on social media some different quotes and thoughts on John Gordon and different ideas that uh, he's been presenting to different companies and teams on unity, on basically leadership. And he challenged in a podcast, what is your word? And I was really intrigued as I started listening to this podcast. He was challenging and he was challenged himself to have a word. And what happened is I was listening to this podcast around January 2nd, January 3rd. And what happens, as you all know, January 1st, everybody makes what? New 
resolutions. New Year's resolutions. I fell in the same category past 15, 20 years. I would write out three or five different resolutions, um, and it would deal with, you know, eating better, flossing every day, um, getting rid of a bad habit, and that's what happens. 90% of people on January 1st make New Year's resolutions. By January 15th, 85% of those people do not follow through with their resolutions. And I was one of those persons. I, I had great resolutions. I wanted to read my Bible every day. Uh, I'm going back to flossing because that was always one of my New Year's resolutions, and I would make it about three days, and that would be it. But he was challenging people, come up with one word. This is not a mission statement. This is not two words. It's not a phrase, but one word. And here's what happens. People that come up with one word, they were able to use that word and to just basically maybe motivate themselves, encourage someone else. And so when I heard that podcast, as soon as I was done, I, I, my mind went to like a number of words, uh, passion, integrity, honesty, truth. And I just thought of a million words and I said, God, I really want to come up with my 2019 word, but I want you to basically give me that word. And so I prayed about it, and after about two or three days, he finally gave me my 2019 word. Are you ready? Drum, Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Oh, okay. Thank you. So my 2019 word is serve. And God gave me that word, and I just tried to look at my life and say, I want to serve God. I want to serve him with passion. I want to serve him with my whole heart. But I want to serve my wife. I want to serve my kids. I want to serve my students. I want to serve my community. And it's amazing now as we're two months into 2019, how that word has just meant so much to me in that short amount of time. Um, I did this with my wife. Uh, I remember coming home and I just came out and asked her, what's your word, honey? She looks at me like, what's my word? What are you talking about? And her word originally was coffee. That's her word. <laughs> But after we kind of explained what was going on, she came up with a word, and her word is focus. And so she just said, I want to focus this year on, you know, God, my relationship with him, and not get sidetracked. Um, I have four kids, and so each of my kids have a word. Jimmy's word is humility. Uh, Jack's word is trust. My daughter Jennifer's word is hope. And my daughter Julia, who's five, has a word, and her word is change. Um, <laughs> So I've been challenging my team. I've been challenging the office staff that I work with to come up with your word. Lori, sitting to my right, has a word. Uh, why don't you share your word? My word is intentional, and my word came about in praying about it and thinking about how so many things happen in life that I just stumble into, even opportunities with friends and ministry things. But I wanted to be more intentional about um, focusing on things and when someone one big way I wanted to do it was when someone says hey can you pray for me with this area instead of just committing to pray and walk away I'm trying to stop and be intentional and right then pray with them or right then stop and pray for them and not just say oh I'll do it and then I realized six months later I didn't do what I committed to do Awesome. It's a great word, intentional. I know Scott has a word. His word is... Yep, my husband is change. His word is change. My uh, my mom has a word. She's up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I talked to her about this, and her word is bless. Uh, my brother has a word. His word is lead. His wife has a word, patience. Um, so what we did is one day in the gym, we just got a black Sharpie, and I have about 50 
players, students, uh, adults, coaches, and they wrote on the wall their word. And it's just awesome. So anybody listening out there, it's not too late. You can come up with your 2019 word. So I encourage you to think about that, pray about it. That is your word for the year. I think it's a good way to just focus, like you said, on one thought and not on a list of so many things that can be overwhelming when you have resolutions and see the way that you can turn that into different areas of your spiritual life. So with your word as serving, you've already seen God open up doors for you in the past couple of months where you can serve and where you can even have a different heart attitude to be more of a servant to Definitely. people around you. It's funny, even like walking around campus, picking up a piece of trash, I'm like, serve. Um, you know, my, my daughter, she needs help with spelling. And in the past I'd be like, Eve, you got this one. I'm, I'm serving. Let, let me help you. And it's just awesome how that word has, has touched me. And I, I, like you said, nice and concise, simple, um, have a word. My verse that I have with that is from Joshua where it says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I also think about the verse, serve the Lord with gladness. So as I thought about that word, I wanted a scripture reference with it as well, and God gave me those two verses. Those are awesome scriptures. They're so important, and I think for us all to get a word, and I challenge you to really pray and and get a word, and even send it to us if you want to, and we'll share them with Jim. But the thing is, is to get a scripture with it. It's even more important. And then you've got, um, it's going to give you, uh, I think, uh, comfort that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you and direct you and open doorways that we cannot even begin and focus on something that the Lord wants to deal with us on. So I think it's awesome. Good stuff. All right, number two, we won't spend as much time on this one, but number two, I heard this uh, about three months ago i wrote this down in my bible it's on my phone here it goes buckle up say yes to god before you know his question say yes to god before you know his question so many times in my life i just look back and i wonder how many missed opportunities and blessings i could have had but i said no to god and in my life in this stage in my life i'm learning to say yes to him no matter what Now, you have to be balanced. You can't say yes to everything. We realize that there's a lot of different activities, responsibilities that come up in our life. But I'm learning in my life to say yes before I even know his question. And personal example would me be being here on Sunday nights, uh, coming down to a Bible study with, uh, you know, a ministry that I'm just learning about with gentlemen I don't even know. But I knew God when I was approached with that question or, you know, decision about, leading this Bible study, I already said yes to God. So I knew that it was in his will and his plan. Amen. We're thrilled about that too. Good stuff. All right. Number three, here's another nugget, another truth. Um, this is from coach John Wooden. Um, he was the UCLA basketball coach, uh, huge successful coach back in the sixties and seventies with UCLA. But he says this, when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. Think about that one. When opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. Um, It goes with the old saying, when you are through learning, you are through. But then also, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. And I think we've heard things on that line before, but I'm learning I always want to be prepared. I I never know what opportunity is going to come in my uh, career, my vocation, with ministry, with opportunities. And so I just want to be prepared. And if I'm not 
prepared, I'm basically preparing myself to fail. So I think that's important. When opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. We talk about that a lot in the ministry and telling people um, to be ready for your marriage restoration to happen. Like you're praying for that restoration. Mm -hmm. And on Tuesday, it might seem like it's the furthest thing from a reality. But Wednesday may be the day that your spouse comes home. And if you're not prepared, if you've got all of your clothes in their side of the closet and you've got the house a wreck and your heart is not prepared to welcome a spouse home, then you've missed the the whole challenge of what we've been given. But be prepared um, for that restoration to happen. And part of that, when you're praying for restoration and being prepared for that is preparing your heart to be a married person and to live married through that separation so that you're still honoring your spouse even when they're absent. You're honoring them when you're dropping kids off and picking kids up on the weekends. Um, Husbands, you're loving your wives. Wives, you're respecting your husbands. Um, But being prepared for that, I think that's awesome. All right, number four. This one deals with purpose, um, your why, and it it hits home to me because over the last several months, I just kind of rediscovered my why again, my passion, my purpose, so excited about that. But I wrote this quote down, after you find yourself, you have to lose yourself. Think that one through. But after you find yourself, you have to lose yourself. And it took me a while to just rediscover who I was, what I was doing, my identity in Christ as a coach, as a husband, as a father. And then I had to give that all over to God. I had to lose it and give it to God. And I'm grateful for how he showed me different things. Um, I heard this on a podcast, and this was pretty insightful. When you are bigger than your purpose, you have a career. When your purpose is bigger than you, you have a calling. I'm going to say that one again. When you are bigger than your purpose, you have a career. When your purpose is bigger than you, you have a calling. And I know in my life as a basketball coach, that is my passion. That's what I get excited about. That's what I love to do. That's what I feel God has allowed me to do, to use the sport of basketball as a platform to ultimately bring glory to Christ. But in a sense, I looked at it as my career. Um, I looked at it as my vocation. Um, whenever I put myself under my purpose and my purpose is bigger, now it's my calling and I'm realizing that's my calling. I think a lot of us have heard do something you love and you never have to work a day in your life. Um, man, is that awesome? That's just something I was a valet when I was 16 years old and not a ballet, a valet. So I got to clearly define that to my five-year-old daughter. She's like, daddy, you were a ballet. I'm like, no, a valet. So I was a valet and I was at a private country club up in Pittsburgh and I'm 16 years old and I'm driving Bentleys and Rolls Royce and Porsches and Lamborghinis and I'm looking at my boss and I was remember saying to him, I would do this without you even paying me. I would love this job and you don't even have to pay me. He said, well, we can make that happen. And I said, no, no, I I still like getting paid. But I heard this. It's never really work unless you would rather do something else. And I just enjoy the passion that I have, the purpose that I have in coaching basketball, being around young people, being able to use athletics to um, ultimately share Christ. Somebody that is maybe in a job today that's not the job that they adore, but it's the career that God has them in right now, they can change their mindset to find the passion for for where they're at right now. Definitely. Um, I'm going to jump ahead because I'm going to go to number six and I'll come back to five, but you kind of hit it there a little bit. We don't get burned out because of what we do. 
we get burned out because we forget why we right. do. And I think that's happened to me over, you know, teaching, coaching, being involved in a school for 20 plus years. I find myself just getting burned out. And it's not because of what I was doing. I just forgot why I was doing what I was doing. Rediscovering your purpose, your passion, and why you do something. And that's so important for people that are praying for restoration of their marriage because it's easy to get burned out when you don't see movement in your relationship, when you don't see a spouse that's coming home, when you don't see a relationship that's being healed. But your purpose and what you're doing is fighting for that spouse who has walked away and has has gone on a wayward path and that reigniting that passion and remembering why you're doing it and not what is burning you out. If you forget to read your Bible or you start uh, getting a lukewarm on reading your Bible or if you stop praying daily because you see nothing happening and you think you're praying the same prayers, ask God to give you different words and different scriptures to make your own prayers and it not be um, boring. But the most important thing the devil wants you to stop praying, and the devil wants you to stop reading God's word. So remember what your goal is and what your spiritual growth is so important. And I hear people that they battle reading the Bible and praying. And as a woman or a man of God, we need to hunger and thirst for his word because we'll, we'll read anything else, but we won't read the Bible. And that's not what we need. And what to is be. your motive in your relationship with Jesus? Like, is it just to say, I checked it off and I did my Bible reading? Right. Or is it because you're not burned out on your circumstances, but instead you're longing for that relationship with Him every day? You're longing for time with Him. You're longing to have time to worship Him. I can guarantee if you start reading in the Gospels, that the Lord will speak to you and even if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you just read half of a chapter every day, you are going to get so many nuggets of gold that's going to start touching you and opening your eyes and the Lord will start speaking to you that you will be so blessed that you'll want to finish the rest of the chapter, maybe at the nighttime. But I am just challenging you to seek the word and read the word because when you seek God, he will bless you abundantly. Good stuff. All right, so rewinding back to number five, because we jumped ahead on number six, but number five, failure is not meant to define you, but refine you. And I think in my life, I was able to identify this because as a coach, um, my identity was in that win or loss. My identity was in our record. My identity was in what happened the night before. And it was great after a win, Saturday, Sunday, showing up at church, going around uh, the neighborhood. Hey, good win, coach. Great win. The team play good. You, you love that feeling. But when it's a tough loss, it's like showing your face in public. You're kind of like, oh, I don't want to be here. And my identity was in that win or that loss. And so when I see that quote, failure is not meant to define you, it really is meant to refine you. And that can happen in life. That can happen in sports. That when you have a setback, you go through something that's not the mountaintop experience. Is that really what's defining you? Um, I heard this. A coach said a loss, L-O-S-S, is a learning opportunity to stay stronger. Or a lost, L-O-S-T, is a learning opportunity to stay together. And I remember sharing with my team after those tough losses where we didn't win, hey, guys, this is just an opportunity. What lessons do we learn to get better, to stay positive, to stay stronger? And I heard another coach say, don't count your losses, count your lessons. And so I think that's important. Failure is not meant to define you, but rather refine you. 
you can tell that Jim's um, career is in sports and athletics and coaching, which is awesome. But there's so many parallels between that lifestyle and um, your everyday life. And that's a huge point that failure is not meant to define you, but to refine you. And always when you are facing a failure, instead of letting it discourage you, you can look at it and say, okay, Lord, how can you use this? How can I grow from this? How can you redeem this? Because nothing that happens to you is wasted. Nothing that happens is outside of his will. And he sees what happens. I know many times it feels like God has taken his eyes off of you when your divorce goes through. God's taken his eyes off of you when you lose your home to foreclosure. God's taken his eyes off of you when fill in the blank happens, but he sees that. And that is a perfect opportunity to start a refining process. And I know for my parents, um, they both said that through their divorce and separation, that's what God used to bring them back to him and to show them that in the failure of their marriage, he refined each of them in their lives and their personal walk with him, which is ultimately what is the most important thing. It's about your relationship with Christ and not about this other stuff that is happening. So I think that's a great point. And I do apologize if I have too many uh, sports and athletic (laughs) analogies. That is my life. They're perfect. But like you said, they can relate to real life, spiritual life and things like that. But what's happened in when I was going to do this podcast, I went back through my phone and I have on my notes section, uh, just almost three pages when I was reading books, listening to things and just wrote these down. And I'd encourage you as you're listening to just write some of these quotes down, these phrases and things like that, that you can encourage and bless someone else. All right. Number six was we don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we do. So we talked about that a little bit. Number seven, here we go. Live for a cause, not the applause. I heard that one just recently, and it kind of parallels with a song that's out there right now. And I, I wrote this down. Um, just part of the chorus says, I don't need my name in lights. I'm famous in my father's eyes. Make no mistake, he knows my name. I'm not living for applause. I'm already so adored. And it's all his stage. He knows my name. I'm not going to sing that, but maybe you heard <laughs> that song. But so important to live for a cause. What's your passion? What's your purpose? What is your mission, what more importantly is God's will for your life. And don't worry about the outside noise. Don't worry about trying to please people because ultimately it's the audience of one. Live for a cause, not the applause. That is awesome. I love that. I love that. And that's what, you know, so many of the husbands or wives that have taken a detour road were looking for um, something more in their marriage. And, and wanted to be uh, happy. And that's that word that they always say, they were not happy mm-hmm. when they left. And, uh, and if they had gone back and to seek the Lord, they would find out that the Lord is the one to give us the happiness and the joy. Find, and the, find your fulfillment in God. Exactly. Not, not in that other person. Exactly. People so, will fail you every day. Yeah. And, and we will, we all will make mistakes right. and our children will make mistakes. And when we make a mistake or any of our children make a mistake, please don't play rewind and say you did this mm-hmm. and, and never forget, forgive and throw it away. Especially when your husband or wife come home you know what, you're going to be tempted when you have a fight you never changed or she's still around or he's still around. And you know what, you need to read the books about finding a way home because they may be around for a season, 
but you are ready to be equipped with God to walk through that season and love them unconditionally and pray that other person away. And God brought him home, and he did not make a mistake. So, but we need to really forgive and watch what we say. We label people, and we need to stop labeling them unless it's something very positive. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we say words that really hurt and wound even little kids to teenagers to young adults and go on and on yep number eight um just use this one and shared with a, a group working out but number eight bloom where you are planted be great right where god has you i think so many times it's easy to look at the other side uh, the grass is always greener somewhere else and we get caught up in someone else's life or we want to play the compare game and you know why isn't that my life i wish i could do that or i wish i had that job or why don't i live in that house or why why don't i fill in the blank and god's saying hey bloom where you're planted be great right where i have you and that's been real in my life the past couple weeks is i just want to be great at highlands i want to be great at grace i want to be great in my neighborhood i want to be great in my family um, I want to be excellence. I think as Christians, we need to be excellent. So many times Christian organizations use that um, cop out of, hey, we're just kind of going to be average, subpar. Let's be excellent. I remember uh, hearing Jerry Falwell Sr. when he was at Liberty was talking about, hey, at Liberty, we're going to be excellent. Why? Because we're Christian. We're a Christian university. Let's have the best facilities. Let's provide the best college atmosphere. And I know that um, your kids are up there and enjoying that. And uh, that's something that just resonated with me. So bloom where you're planted. Be great right where God has you. That bloom where you, you are planted thought also, it speaks to contentment of where you're at, not looking, like you said, mm -hmm. to something that will always be better because we can always play the mind game and look at something and think it's better. First of all, the grass is greener on the other side is just because we haven't figured out how many weeds they have under it because everything we can make appear better than our current situation. Yeah. But if you are content with where God has you, even when you're in a valley, like you can be content in the middle of a valley if that's where he has you right now because you know that he has you there. Yeah. All right, number nine, it's hard to feed someone when you're starving. It's hard to feed someone when you're starving. I think this uh, just hit me right in between the eyes with my spiritual life. Um, in the past, I would try to maybe... Um, witness to someone, be a testimony to someone, and I would just do it out of my own kind of nature. And rather than really being in God's word daily, rather than really having the mind of Christ, I, I would just share surface material. And my idea is, man, if I'm starving, how in the world am I going to be able to help someone else eat? And so it's hard to feed someone when you're starving. So internally, I want to make sure that I'm filled up with the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure that I'm fed and want to make sure I take care of my personal walk, my personal devotion. When I'm doing that, now I'm able to give back. I'm able to minister to my students, my family, my wife, my kids, men's Bible study, whatever God decides to put into my path. Number 10, last one. Are we ready? Everybody's ready. good. Here We're we go. Ready. All right. Leadership is influence. It's not about titles. It's about towels. And each and every one of us are leaders. Um, whether we influence our kids as a mom, whether we influence 
our kids as a dad, whether we are involved in a business, own a company, um, we're a boss, we are an employee, we have people under us, uh, we are leaders. And I can't help but think about Jesus Christ and what he did in the upper room just hours before he was going to be crucified. Um, I look at Christ as kind of this athletic analogy again. He's the coach. He's going out recruiting. He gets his team. He gets his disciples. He gets James and John and Matthew, and he gets his group together. And by the way, it's probably not the status quo. It wasn't the group that people would have selected, but it, Christ knew their heart. So he gets his team ready, and he shows them this idea about true servant leadership and where he's washing their feet. He's serving them. I don't know about you, but I don't like feet. I'm not in the feet, okay? <laughs> so to get down and wash these dudes' feet is ultimate, ultimate servanthood. Right. And that's what Christ did. And when I see that title, leadership, or that quote is influence, it's not about titles, it's about towels. I think about Jesus having that towel and wiping the disciples' feet, and that's what he does. As Jim so beautifully played out the washing of the feet that Jesus has given us, an example of having a servant heart attitude. Carrie and Ryan's wedding, you may have heard of it, you may have seen it, but if you have never seen it, it is an excellent um, encourager for you. It's more than an hour long of a video of their remarriage. And he, uh, Ryan, uh, felt he needed to humble himself and before the church and to his wife, he repented, and then he asked his wife to come down, take off her shoes, and he washed her feet. So there is many symbolisms in that um, video that will encourage you, and I just want to say, you know, there's going to be days or times where we need to learn and think about not my way, but God's way, and we be a servant in our home and not always want our way. And, and I think that's what Jim is saying so well today. It's not about me. It's about others and what God's perfect will and way is each and every day that he opens the life, our life for that one day. After that day, it's gone. If you go to our website under media and go to the videos, you can watch the remarriage ceremony that she's talking about yeah leaders should never finish excuse me cross the finish line first leaders should never cross the finish line first and then i wrote this down leaders can't be on top of the mountain and say come up here with me or hey get on my train get into my vision leaders need to go down in the valley where the people are and help them climb the mountain together and that means a lot in my life as I'm placed in a leadership role to not just sit up on the top of my mountain and say, what's wrong with you people down there? Hey, this is my vision. Get up here. What are you doing? But I need to get down there with the people and help them climb that mountain together. And again, I think about Christ, why he came to this earth. He came to live among us. He knows what we went through, what we're going through. He was tempted. He went through starvation. He went through these things, these needs that we go through and are hurt so that he, when he tells us in his word, we can, he can relate to what we're going through. So just a little bit about leadership there to finish up on number 10. I think that's huge because even though you might feel like you're not a leader, I challenge you to think about the ways you are a leader. If you're a mom or a dad, you have children that you're leading and how can you lead them 
the way Jesus led? How can you lead the people you have influence over in your family? How can you lead the people you have influence over in your workplace or in your church? And I think in paralleling that with marriage and with the stand that you're taking for restoration in your marriage and for healing in your marriage is not just standing on the mountaintop like you said and shouting to the people, hey, this is what I'm doing and they can just be in the valley down below, but going down and showing them what God's word says about marriage and why you are believing in the vows that you took and why you're doing it and not just standing above people to lead them and get them to understand what you're doing and fighting for your marriage. And positively, one of the biggest comments that we hear and I heard from Bob is that he wasn't worthy to come home. He felt such guilt and shame. He said, you are way where I'm not, I'll never get there. And he said, I admire all your love and unconditional love, but you don't know all that I've done. And I don't want to tell you everything, and there's no reason to go through it. But he said um, he did not feel worthy until that day where he was at that restaurant and God said, Bob, you made the biggest mistake of your life, but you need to repent to Charlene, ask forgiveness, and get married this very afternoon. And that was a huge speaking and being obedient. It was a huge word for Bob that he didn't think God would even speak to him, let alone tell him to get married that afternoon and not prepare to go through the process of marriage restoration. But God had prepared me. And, and I'm, I'm always saying to you, are you ready to get married today or tomorrow? Is your house ready? Are you living married? It's like Lori said, we need to be expecting him or her to stop by. And even if they live in another country or in another state, God can do anything and you don't know his plans. So we need to understand that God is in the business of heart transformation and it can be suddenly, it can be instantly, and you're thinking of the past, you need to think of what God is doing each and every day in your life and in your husband or wife's heart and life. And that day when he was able to finally submit to God and listen to him was after the months of watching your leadership and saying, I'm changing and my relationship with Christ has changed and I've changed as a wife and that he was finally able to submit to the Lord so he could come home to be the leader that God called him to be. Correct. And the big thing is we had no idea what the marriage restoration would be like. And yes, there is was a, another woman in, that was planning a wedding and that didn't scare me and it didn't even scare him until he made the phone call that night. But the woman said when he called her, you know, once I talked to Charlene once and she shared her testimony and once she continued just being so unconditionally loving to you um, in, in the normal circumstances that she said, I knew sooner or later that God would win. And she knew, she knew. And I just encourage you to walk in faith with the Lord with hope and trusting him because he can do things so much quicker than we can imagine with any event. I think that 
what you shared today was so important. And I think that it's evident how you have had such a growth mindset over the past few months where you're growing because of how much is being poured into you through podcasts, through the word, through books that other people have written. And while the word is the most important place to get our, our instruction from, it's amazing to see how the way that God's invested in other people is now playing out in your life because you're learning from them. And I think that's so important for you as listeners to have that same growth mindset and find books and find teachings that point you to the word, but challenge you in your life. And we have a podcast coming up in a couple of weeks that will give you some more direction on things that we offer that um, can help you through those stages, through the valleys that you're facing in life. But um, I would challenge you to become a person that really invests in spending time growing as individuals um, so you can grow closer to the Lord, but you can grow to be the man or woman that God wants you to be. I just wanted to say thank you for what you guys do, um, getting more involved and learning what the ministry is about. Thank you for what you're doing for people that are out there that are struggling and going through this. Um, and again, just being here today, I just wanted to be an encouragement. Um, again, these were not my thoughts, not my ideas per se, but just a way to give you some practical truths to maybe help you in your life. Um, so thank you for having me down here again, and I uh, just enjoyed being with you guys. Well, we're glad you could come. Thrilled you made it. If you want to hear more from Jim, you can listen to another podcast that he did with us several months ago. It was a two-part series called Make Your Spiritual and Physical Fitness a Priority. So you might want to check that out. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified when a new episode is released. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you found it beneficial, will you submit a review so it will help our rankings and other people will be able to find it? If you want to reach out to us, you can do so from our website, again, www.rejoiceministries.org. Write us and tell us how you enjoyed this podcast. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.